Blog Talk Radio. WIJSF.com. Women in Jazz South Florida Inc. is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally through events, concerts, performances, clinics, lectures, workshops, articles, interviews, newsletters, courses, contacts, research, history, archives, websites, film, audio and video recordings, and recognition. Visit us at WIJSF.com. You're listening to blogtalkradio.com slash musicwoman with your host, Diva JC.
first day in September from Music Woman. September this year has really trudged along. It's been difficult, but music makes it better. So let's bring in my guest. Hi. Joan, hi. Oh, hello. How, How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, considering. I know. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. You know, I just I just drove into New York City uh, to pick up. Uh, my daughter had an appointment in the city, and I, I haven't. We we're out in Long Island, living out in Long Island, but so I I drove in today, and I stopped and got a, a sandwich at my corner deli um, that I love so much and sort of blew a kiss to my city that I love, um, but turned around and came right back out here because of, you know, just the crazy holiday traffic. But I touched my, my beloved city for a moment that, that really um, feels like a distant, a distant friend at this point, um, strangely, in the circumstances we're all living in. Well, I, I do believe that everything is in divine order. So I think I'm not. Yeah. But I want to really give this interview to you. So you ready? Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) Usually I send the questions ahead of time, but I think I know a lot of the answers. So let's go. How did you come to music? As a child? Well, as a child, um, there was music playing in my household. Um, and it was, you know, of course, like with most people, it was whatever were in, initially in your parents' collection, right? So whatever they had, you were either listening to or, or, um, or you know, enjoying or, or trying to find your own music that you liked more so. But with my... Um, in circumstance, it was um, a lot of jazz, um, and then it was equally as much uh, whatever pop music was going on at the time. So I was listening to um, Paul Desmond and Ella Fitzgerald, but the Burger Brothers were big back then, and so was Stevie Wonder and Carol King and Joni Mitchell. So my, my listening um, palette was really quite diverse, and, um, and I loved it all, is what I can tell you about um, my feeling about music. Um, and and um, my dad was just sort of an amateur saxophone player uh, outside of his profession. So he played in, in Dixieland bands and big bands. So it was a pretty proud thing as a family when we would go and, and attend the gigs. So uh, I, I think I was, I, you know, I sort of came up that way as well, sort of being proud of, of, of a family member, um, whether he was amateur or not, I thought he was, you know, amazing, of course. And um, and then gradually, you know, music continued to really speak to me growing up. Came um, a student of ballet uh, and was in the ballet studio for about 12 years of my life. But along that time, I was um, singing, at, sitting in at jazz clubs. And, and actually, Joe and I was just making it up what everything I was doing. I just basically listened to the greats and I would go in and call the tune and the key that I um, could figure out and sing it exactly like Ella Fitzgerald or sing it exactly like Billie Holiday. And that was kind of how I taught myself in all 
the naivety of, the, of what that is when I look back on it now. Um, but uh, that was how I kind of did it. And I learned kind of on the stage initially. Um, and, and it just became something that um, I gravitated to more and more and more. Okay. So did you study music theoretically? I did. Eventually, I did go to music school, but um, I think because we moved so much family, um, I had like two elementary schools, two high schools, and eventually two colleges. Um, I, I was a fairly, um, uh, I think that's why the ballet studio appealed to me, because it was just someplace where I was, I could always go to, and, um, and I loved it, um, and that was that was what I, I, I turned to for my musical uh, uh, expression. But um, so, but eventually I went to Portland State University uh, after graduating from high school in Oregon. And um, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, what I was saying out loud to everybody was I didn't want to be an artist. I wanted to be a successful woman in, you know, in the world. I wanted to have a, a job and a, and a paycheck and could take care of myself and had all this sort of, you know, sort of talk like that in my, uh, you know, going. And, um, but after three years of, of sort of exploring lots of different things, psychology and, um, and business, I, I eventually, um, my parents and I both agreed music school would be a good place for me to go because I was at that point really gigging quite frequently in Portland and had finally joined a vocal jazz ensemble. And so my brain was kind of like really needed to know more theory and have more information. So I wasn't just continuing to kind of shoot from the hip, but um, actually could bring um, some other, you know, the theoretical things that you're talking about. So I finally auditioned and got into Berkeley College of Music. And I will just absolutely say one of the corniest things, but when I, got to that school and walked into the door and looked down at, you know, the top of the stairs and looking down at the community of musicians and singers and everybody just out playing their instruments and this and that. I just went, I'm, I'm with my people. Like this is where I need to be. And so that was a great thing, but I was 21 when I arrived at that, you know, realization at that point where I was really ready to go to work. Okay, good. Now, so you write songs. How many have you written? Oh, goodness gracious. You know, I don't, no. I don't even know. No, 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 no. You do know. Is it 10, 20, oh. 100? <laughs> it's hundreds. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, it's hundreds because for every good one, there's, there's a couple that, that, that get thrown out halfway or they get merged into another one or um, yeah, hundreds of songs for sure. And I, I fell in love with songwriting when I got to Berkeley because it, it suddenly, when I got there at 21, of course I thought every, I was just too late for everything now. Right. I thought at 21, I was too old and I was behind everybody and everybody had a leg up on, on so many things um, in training but the one thing I think that was overtrained for me because of my own experience of, of, of my musical tracks 
it's I was really being in the moment. And so, and also because I was just young enough, I was also really willing to just uh, make my mistakes um, on the stage. So you learn really fast when you do that. And also, um, I think because I, I love being in the moment, um, I fell in love with, I started just collaborating with other, you know, other musicians or instrumentalists or other singers while I was at Berkeley. And I realized that, um, that it was something that I, I really loved doing, either whether it was writing melodies initially, and then it was writing lyrics. And um, so I, I really started songwriting back, back in Berkeley. And then um, by the time I graduated, I was a fully, you know, uh, committed to writing, arranging, producing, recording, and and running my own band. And that, those were things that um, became really clear to me that I was going to be my own band leader and, and my own, um, you know, visionary. Uh, so, yeah, that was kind of the beginning of it. And, and, and it hasn't changed a bit um, for me at all, no matter how many things change in my life and circumstances that we go through writing um is is like water for me i i need it that's terrific because i've got an organization full of singers who have never written a song and they swear that they are musicians and i swear that if you never wrote a song you're not a musician so that's just me but my next question is, what is your publishing company? Um, my publishing company is called Next of Kin, and um, I've been I've been writing and producing my my records since um, well producing since since I graduated from college in '86, um, and I was signed um, with my first record deal. Um, in 1998 by Phil Ramone, um, and by that time, I had been, I had moved to New York City, and um, had been writing songs, had been starting to play songs with other singers, and was thinking maybe that was another way I was going to um, start, you know, sp- spreading out possibilities for myself as a, just to become a working artist. Um, so, yeah, I, I I started back in 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 1998 with my first um, first record called Hardly Blinking, and you know it's uh, that that's my first formally uh, published and released record into the world, um, and I have at this point um, four under my own name, and then lots of other records with other artists, other groups, and and uh, so I've got an. I've, on my catalog at this point, a public good. And are you with BMI or ASCAP? You know what? I'm with CSAC. Okay. Okay. CSAC. So now, CSAC is a, can, yeah. Yeah, it's a, another publishing <laughs> accounting company. So yeah. um, I do want to get into your. Uh, your group, New York Voices. But before we do that, I would like to know what is your advice for a young woman coming 
into the music industry? Well, is she is she graduated from music or um, from college or where where is she? What, what what point am I jumping on the advice train in terms of her story? Because it's 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 such a fascinating thing to be a part of young women's uh, journeys, and I'm I'm involved with um, with with high school students and and college and post college and even you know and now since whatever I I mentor and and am a part of many women's lives and I think we all need um need support at different points in our journey anyway but I I think uh so for me I guess always one key piece of advice that I give any musician singer that that is looking for uh, a career in this industry I feel that you have to love this more than anything like doing doing this whether it's writing or singing or producing or whatever your you know your inroad is and your passion is I do feel that you have to have to want it and need it um, passionately and that you have are committed to working on it um, and improving and continuing to learn and continuing to stay open while also trying to be innovative and forward thinking. Um, and so I, I feel that it's um, important that all those things are in line so that then when you meet the very bumpy road of, of how it all actually pans out versus our aspirations of thinking that it's going to be a smooth, you know, walk in the park, um, you're ready for all those bumps and you're not discouraged by those bumps, but in fact, welcome them and get ready to listen to them and evaluate which ones are good advice to take on and which, which are things that you're going to let, you know, bounce off of you and, 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 and keep moving, moving forward. So um, I think you have to have a sturdy constitution for this industry and, um, and a good sense of self worth. Yeah. But a lot of people who really don't know how to get to that when they're starting out, you know, a lot of singers, particularly, because we focus on instrumentalists and composers, okay? So a lot of us, we didn't even get, hear our voice until we were 35, 40. You know, we were, we were Ella, we were Sarah, we were Billy, but we didn't hear our own voice until we were in our 30s. So a lot of young singers are out there being the predecessors. How do you help them move into their own voice? Right, right. Well, that, listen, we're never going to change, no matter how much we, we, we know now in hindsight, you and I, we're never going to change that youthful exuberance of feeling like you want it now and you deserve it now. I mean, it's part of what makes us sort of animal in our, in our sense of human beings. You, you know, I call them the terrible 20s because they're nothing like the terrible twos. And I even remember my own ego and my own sense of like what I thought was going to be my story in my 20s and um, ready. I always thought I was ready, 
you know, and the truth is I wasn't, you know, some, sometimes I was, and I did okay. But like, I know that but there were many times that there, I know I left the room and people went, she's not ready yet. Or like, that was ridiculous. Right. So I know that now, but youth is always the thing that drives, that drives the industry. We're the most beguiled by it. The industry, of course, wants you to be young and talented. That's what sells magazines and all kinds of stuff. But yes, I agree with you. You know, you hit your 30s, you hit, you hit, you hit well-lived moments, and you've got a couple broken hearts, and you've got some, you've got some story in your body and some story in your narrative, and you're like, yeah, it gets better. Of course it does. And as an instrumentalist and as a singer, everything gets juicier. So, yes, patience is a hard thing to tell any young student to be patient when they're looking at you going, tell me how, tell me the four doors I need to knock on so that I can get there tomorrow. And <laughs> you know, you know that, that's hysterical. You know you're looking at them going, that's not how it works. <laughs> and I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you even if I knew, right? I would never tell you what doors because you got to find your own doors. <laughs> right. But and then, you know, that's very honest. That is yeah. so honest, you know, because we do want to tell them how to do it, but we, we can't. No. <laughs> we can't, and we because and we, we don't even know the road that they're going to take. We don't know the street that they're going to be on. We don't. <laughs> we don't. And so I think the other the other thing I know I benefited from, and I don't. And not everybody can can benefit from. You know, every, we all have our own blessing in our life, and and I know I in particular am mindful of it. Um, but I have a family that was. By the time I really decided to, to go and do my music, um, they were all like, yeah, you need to go do that. And, and we're going to um, take every midnight phone call that, you, that comes in and, every, um, and be at almost every show that we can be at and listen to your crazy, obsessive, compulsive voice about a lyric or whatever until you figured it out. I mean, I, I, I think I was really fortunate with a family that loved and supported me um, in, in, in along the way. And I, and the only reason why it's sort of newly on my fingertips right now is because I actually went in my basement this weekend and found some boxes actually from Berkeley and from um, some pro and moved from the past that I never even uh, and in those boxes, Joan, were letters from my family, letters from my girlfriends um, that I, you know, that were all in touch. We were all rooting each other on. And I, so I just reread just those letters when I was really in, in um, early stages of, of being an artist. And I was really touched by it because sometimes we forget, too. And I, I, ca I had called up all of them yesterday and took a picture of all the cards on the lawn. And I said, these are all the cards you sent me um, while I was away. And I mm. saved them. They're all in this box. Right. You know. And, it's just, and that, well, happened, so I, I, that, that happened yeah. to me, too. I found the letters that my children sent me and my grandchildren while I was in Europe. And I made a blog post, I don't know, 
you know, I scanned them because they were beautiful. So, yeah. Right. right. <laughs> now, did you get to travel much out of the country? Not before I got the New York Voices gig. No, I, before I landed that job, I was, I was 27 and I had been out of the country um, only once. Um, and prior to that, because I was raised in Arizona, a couple of times we, we drove across the border in Mexico, you know, and went to little, little towns just right across the border. Never like, oh, we went to Cabo or anything like that, but just, we just took a family drive and went and, 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 you know, did that. So I had never been out of the country prior to my age of being 27 years old. So I was still incredibly naive and um, uh, ready for like chapter two of like, here's, you know, here's the another level of education and what it does to, to your view of the world and your, um, you know, your, your, and, and how it informs your music and how it informs who you are as a person. So, uh, but once I, once I landed New York Voices gig, I was, I was living, you know, on airplanes and buses, and I have been since. Um, so COVID uh, has basically, uh, since March, since we've all been home since mid-March, um, I've never been home in my home for this long ever in my adult life. <laughs> ever. Okay, right? well, it is. But it's good. It's it's a good thing, okay. It's 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 not a bad thing because many of us decompress, you know, from going 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 going. No, I feel like I'm I'm doing some healing and doing some restoration that is um, years and years and years, um, you know, on hold. For sure. Right. <laughs> Listen, on that note, I'm going to play Let's Live Again, and I'll be right back in four minutes okay. and 26 seconds. Okay, darling. When I looked at you, a dream came true. So bright, you were holding me so tight. Won't you give again? Let's live again. Stars are in the sky. If they're mine, then I count ten. I say the way up to the moon, lighting is a balloon. When you're giving, I'm living again. I'm telling you true. I'm living for you. There's not a single person here who's 
who is the who's the guy? Do you know? Was it Darman or was it Peter? What's Peter's last name? Peter Eldridge. And who's the other one? Darman Meter. John Meter? No, Dar- Darman. Darman Meter. It's an unusual no. name. Yeah. It must have been Peter. Yeah. John yeah. I think Peter was in charge for the, for the outreach. So what year did you join them? Well, um, yeah, because you, who knows? You might have been called. I, I, I would have to ask them, but because um, there were two, two times where I think they, they, they brought in. Um, they were looking for someone, and when they, when they graduated from Ithaca in like '88 um, or '89, uh, they, I think they all moved to New York and. And they found Sarah Krieger, so they were a group of five. And so then they got signed by GRP. And then um, Sarah Krieger no, no, decided. This, this was this was eighty two, eighty four. Okay, so maybe so they you would have been. They were just starting. Yeah, they were just starting then. So that's very interesting and very cool. Um, yeah, they um, they must have given you a ring, and that that. Uh, that's a really cool thing. I mean, the group has been around, you know, they started at Ithaca College, so their 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 roots are, are sort of, you know, like like many things formed out of the people that you're 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 kind of growing up with and learning and and excited about making music and doing all those wonderful things that you're doing in college. You're falling in love with music and you're also falling in love with the people that you're making music with, which is, you know, so bewitching and so confusing. Um, so you know, I, I, I remember I, I didn't know them back then. So, uh, but that might have been true. And you know, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really looking for the New York Voices gig. I got to New York City in '89. I, I was just, um, I thought I was going to go be a solo artist and a singer songwriter. And you know, I had a whole other other agenda. One thing that happened to me, Joan, when I when I got to Berkeley was, you know, the the, the, the bummer was I thought I was going to go get my butt kicked as a jazz singer, right? And I was going to get properly schooled, properly educated, and I was going to really, like, you know, learn. But what happened for me was there wasn't really a lot there. It's always really hard to figure out how to educate the singer versus there's a great methodology for educating our instrumentalists. But that same methodology doesn't really ha- – well, it does now. Now that it, now it seems better, but it's just back then. I, I, there wasn't really a place for me to be uh, – to work. And so what ended up happening is I was gigging a lot with the teachers after, you know, and getting that experience, but I still really needed to work on theory and stuff. But the one thing I fell in love with at school was gospel choir. And the gospel choir at Berkeley is just amazing. I'm just, and I had never, I, I had done, you know, a couple of semesters of a vocal jazz ensemble at Portland State University. I had no choir experience in high school. I didn't do, I didn't do any of that stuff. Um, so when I got into the gospel choir, 
I was my my brain was my brain was blown, and I was trying to figure out how to re-outfit my instrument so that I could sound that would be the right sound, you know, and but that could hang right, <laughs> and that was helpful for me, and and then the repertoire was beautiful, and the feeling and the energy was was amazing for me so that was the big like you know epiphany at the school in many ways for me in terms of like group singing that that really you know made my heart so happy and um so you know but otherwise I didn't have a strong choral ensemble background so when I you know I met Peter Eldridge who we mentioned as as composers he and I had the same guitar player in our band and so he just thought he and I would be good collaborative partners to, to write music together. And so we met as composers and I had my own band and had my own, you know, manager at that point And we were shopping my solo deal and I met Peter and we, he's an amazing, he's a beautiful composer. And so we shared a, a beautiful afternoon sharing our work. And then as he was leaving, it just so happened they were holding auditions for New York voices. And he asked me if you know was interested cause, and i and I you know he didn't really know about my jazz background, so because we were just doing all of our singer songwriter stuff anyway, I long story short, I told him I didn't think I'd be interested because it was kind of not headed in, and then I called my manager and he said i you know I absolutely was going to audition for that group, and um they were signed, and they were really great, of course, I knew them. Um, and but once I, I once I did get the music to learn Round Midnight and Stolen Moments and National Amnesia and I started looking at the second soprano part and I realized, holy crap, I gotta get this gig. Like I gotta really get this gig and shed this music and be so ready for this audition that um, you know, they can't they can't say no. <laughs> So um, that, you know, but I wasn't really looking for that, that path. Um, but I did, but I was very much in love with collective voices singing together. I always really loved that. So I think that was where the good fit came from was my, um, my love of singing harmony. Um, and uh, so I just adapted, right? And suddenly that's when everything really changed for me in terms of my professional life off and uh i started sort of living the new york voices dream um quite exclusively for a while you know okay and so you recorded with them yeah yeah the them was in 19, 1992 and you know i really liken joan and you might appreciate this because i think you know you have you have you know you're a musician you're a composer you're a poet you know you're, you know, you're a dancer, you have dancer experience, you have, you know, and, and, and then you've gone, you continue to, you know, to mine and educate yourself. And I, I really do believe that um, New York Voices was um, like my master's degree or my, my, you know, my doctorate or my master's, whatever, because it really uh, is um, working with these, these three musicians uh, has really uh, changed my my musicianship and my my and and really educating me in many many ways. 
Uh huh. I'm sorry, my daughter called me. Uh, but it's recording. <laughs> how many? Okay. How many? How many? How many kids do you have? I have two grown people, five grandchildren, and four uh-huh. great grandkids. Oh, yes. you're so lucky! Isn't that wonderful? I'm so old. <laughs> so no, listen, so I want to make a plug right here. We only have three minutes left. Uh. I would love to invite you to join our global organization of women musicians. Okay. I will we have, sure. Yeah, it's it's sixty bucks a year. I promote, promote, promote. You know, also you would be um eligible to submit a song to our eighth compilation C D and you could, you know, write a story for Music Woman magazine. There are a lot of opportunities. So, oh, that sounds uh, wonderful. And I just wanted to quickly thank you for being a part of, of my, my project, my song project, uh, 2020 Vision, and submitting yeah. your, your image to that and to the song about, you know, women, our right to choose, and our, and our, and our importance of our votes. So I'm so grateful that, you, that I met you through that exchange, that was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yes, and make sure that you tag me, and I'll continue to promote it. Okay, that would you be can wonderful. Just, you can just click the link in the show page for Women in Jazz okay. South Florida and join right in the upper left corner. But I want to play okay. a little bit of circle in a square. And we will come back to you again, okay? Song, sure. This song no, is quickly. This at song, another time. No. At okay. another time. Quickly, just to set up the song. It's a song about my husband's um, record obsession and the fact that he's in love with with albums and analog, and so it's paying homage to um, his lover in the attic. His his. Um, thousands of, of LPs and, um, you know, and what that means to him. Okay. All right. Take care. Joan, thank you so much for this opportunity. Okay. Talk soon. It's a bird. It's a plane. Have you heard? I'm going to play a record on the high And a log out of date and the echo of a generation gone by. In the mind of one so young, yeah, we play it, we live it, a circle in a square. Sacred right, black as night, turned me on so I can be reminded of my first love. Hey 
WIJSF.com Women in Jazz South Florida Inc. is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally 